Previously, on the Sunday Mass homily, we talked a lot about Mother Teresa last week and some of my favorite quotes from her. Like, you may remember we had that kind of litany that ended with do it anyway uh, along the way. Like, for example, one of them was, if you're kind, people may accuse you of selfish or ulterior motives. Be kind anyway. And it ends with, in the final analysis, it is between you and God It was never between you and them anyway. And that's attributed to Mother Teresa. And I had some people last week asking uh, to get that or, you know, anytime I have references to kind of make it more accessible. And Sonia, our receptionist, does a great job uh, putting the bulletin together, uh, put it on the last page. So we're going to start trying to do this more often when I make references to things. And actually, it's so lovely. You can cut it out, put it on the refrigerator, put it on the wall in the office. You know, wherever you want. It looks really nice. And I also uh, cited Ross Douth in that book. So when I'm citing things, we'll try to get them out there. Uh, so just, yeah, take a look at that today. It's really lovely. But the other thing that we said last, last week from Mother Teresa that I think is worth repeating is that favorite quote of hers that I have when someone yelled out to her in the crowd, what do I have to do to save the world? And she looked at him and said, go home and love your family. And I think that's so important. You know, the actual like actions of love as opposed to things that draw a lot of attention and especially in light of the sort of underlying theme in all of the readings this weekend. We got that theme right out of the gate with the opening lines from our reading from the book of Sirach. My child, conduct your affairs with humility and you will be loved more than a giver of gifts. That humility is such an important thing and frees us so much, and it's just like this fundamental Christian virtue that every single one of us, without fail, needs to work on. And I'll tell you, the way that the gospel is set up, we kind of miss some things in the way that the editors of the lectionary put it together that I want to share with you this morning. Because for those of you keeping score at home and are watching you know, the citation of the gospel that we have, you'll notice that this morning... We have Luke chapter 14, verse 1, and then verses 7 to 14. So we missed a little something from verses 2 to 6 that I think is rather essential. Because what we get, that opening line, on a Sabbath, Jesus went to dine at the home of one of the leading Pharisees, and the people there were observing him carefully. Now, there's something else that happens I'm going to share with you. It's not as though our Lord, like they're observing him carefully and he says, I'm going to tell you a parable. Like something happens first. So they're all observing him carefully. And this is verse two. And behold, there was a man before him who had dropsy. And Jesus spoke to the lawyers and Pharisees saying, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? But they were silent. Then he took him and healed him and let him go. And he said to them, which of you having a son or an ox that has fallen into a well will not immediately pull him out on a Sabbath day? And they could not reply to this. Then he goes on to watch them fighting for the best place at the wedding banquet. And he tells them the story, basically letting them know how stupid they all look. Now, when you think about this, right, they're so caught up in not wanting to say the wrong thing, in making sure, you know, that they're, they've got the right opinion, that they're reduced to silence twice. And this poor guy with dropsy, now I looked up what dropsy is, you know, 
in the, the wonderful place to go for all things, Wikipedia. Now, I didn't go really deep into it, you know, talk to a doctor about what it actually is, but basically, it has to do with, like, the retention of fluids, which when you think about that, St. Luke is pretty darn funny. His humor is great here. Literally, our Lord is trying to teach him about humility, and he cures someone who is literally swelling up, right? And so he takes care of this first, but these guys are paralyzed, and they can't answer a simple question, and they can't even like give him permission to heal this man on the Sabbath. And I would just say, too, like this pride has crippled them to the point that they're not even really willing to enter into dialogue. Because even if one of them was like, okay, teacher, I'm not really comfortable with your sort of like loosening of Sabbath restrictions. Can you explain this to us? No. They're just reduced to silence. And then right after he's done this incredible act of charity and healing this man, and they've all been silent, they get to fighting for the chief place, right? And it's so beautiful how our Lord goes to a greater healing, trying to heal them of pride, of not just being concerned with their own, you know, chief position, but participating in charity. Now, as we look at humility that we see throughout the readings today, I want to share with you kind of a longer quote from one of my favorite books of all time, from one of my favorite authors of all time. That's C.S. Lewis from his book, Mere Christianity. Highly recommend the book. It's fantastic. It's divided into four parts, which he calls books. It's one book divided into four books. Uh, Book three, chapter eight, is called The Great Sin, where C.S. Lewis gives a beautiful commentary on pride and humility. And I want to share with you a longer quote about why God wants us to be freed from pride and why he wants us to be out of humility or wants us to get humility. C.S. Lewis says this, we must not think pride is something God forbids us because he is offended at it or that humility is something he demands is due to his own dignity as if God himself was proud. He's not in the least worried about his dignity. The point is he wants you to know him, wants to give you himself. And he and you are two things of such a kind that if you really get into any kind of touch with him, you will, in fact, be humble, delightedly humble, feeling the infinite relief of having for once got rid of all the silly nonsense about your own dignity, which has made you restless and unhappy all your life. He is trying to make you humble in order to make this moment possible trying to take off a lot of silly, ugly, fancy dress in which we have all got ourselves up and are strutting about like the little idiots we are. I wish I had got a bit further with humility myself. If I had, I could probably tell you more about the relief, the comfort of taking the fancy dress off, getting rid of the false self with all its look at me and aren't I a good boy and all its posing and posturing to get even near it, even for a moment. Is like a drink of cold water to a man in a desert. Now, there is why our Lord wants us to have humility. He's not offended as we like live out to our potential. In fact, he wants us to live to our potential, right? Like we're not in danger of knocking him off his throne because we're so amazing. That's not how it works. He has created you in all of the gifts and characteristics, the needs, the faults, the failings. He has made you in his image and likeness and loves you And it's done that for all of us. 
And even though we can so easily get sucked into competition with one another, life is not ultimately a competition with each other. And you can see the way that we fall into it, right? And I mean, he points it out here with this parable. When you think about those things that we're always kind of striving for, you know, I, I want to get ahead in business. I want to have a whole lot of money. You know, I got to be the smartest, the strongest, the prettiest. All of those things, whatever they may be, not that money's bad, not that intelligence is bad, not that strength or beauty are bad. They're all fine, but they're all fleeting. And we all know this, right? I mean, eventually all of those things are going to pass. Eventually we are going to pass away. And there's something so much better, so, so good, and that is charity. And he wants us to live in that and to recognize humility, which ultimately is the truth. And our Lord lives it out so beautifully. When you think about Jesus Christ, he is the ultimate embodiment of perfect humility. What do I mean by that? He uses everything that he is to bring about and give all sorts of good gifts, but also to receive them from us. What do I mean by that? Okay, God became man, right? Think about all the incredible things that he did. He multiplied the loaves and the fishes and fed the 5,000. He walked on water. He rose Lazarus from the dead. You know, he's giving sight to the blind. Even today, curing the man with dropsy. He does a lot of things. But our Lord also, in humility, received a lot of charity. For nine months, he was in the womb of our blessed mother, receiving her care and her love, even though he's blind during that time. He's humble in receiving love from Mary and Joseph, being laid in a manger, being taken care of as they go to the temple, as they travel to Egypt, as, you know, he's a 12-year-old, and they come and find him and take him back home. He submitted humbly and received what they had to give. Even as he approached his own death, He humbly received different things, like the woman who anointed his feet with oil dried them with her hair, right? He's receiving that good gift. And even to the point of that awesome humility of our God, dying on the cross and allowing himself to be placed in the arms of our blessed mother, wrapped up in the shroud and laid in the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea. It's the humility of God to receive charity from others. My brothers and sisters in Christ, we're called to humility as well. We, each of us here, every age, everyone that's, that's in this church is created in the image and likeness of God. In humility, you've got to recognize the characteristics you've been given. He wants you to go out there and live charitably, to do the thing he's calling you to today. Think about that wonderful teaching of Mother Teresa. What do I need to do to change the world? Go in the love of your family. And I get it, not all of us get to go home, wife and children and a bunch of people. I'm the same way, I'll go home to the rectory later. The parish is my family. God puts all sorts of people in my life every day. Does the same for you. Whether it's when you go home, when you go to work, when you're out there and about, our Lord places people in your life and tells you humbly to go out there and serve them, whoever they may be, with the gifts and characteristics he's given you. And he's going to call you to different things, right? To meet their physical needs sometimes. Like we have the wonderful Sister Mary Roberts Ministries, trying to help families make the ends meet. It's a beautiful thing. We have the 1882 fund for the school, to help the school to be accessible to everybody. So our little guys can have the faith around them all the time. That we can help people to do that. But also, he asks us in humility to use the gifts we've been given to share the treasure of the faith. To be evangelists, to say, hey... We got 50 hours of adoration this week. 
come on out. Bring a friend. Ask somebody to come along with you. We got a men's night on Thursday night at 6.30, right here in the church, studying all sorts of different virtues. Bring a friend. Don't be like the Pharisees and the lawyers that are, you know, so tied up in pride that you can't say anything. Now, don't get me wrong. I know I'm a priest. It's so hard for me, too. But to humbly be able to live out the gifts and the characteristics he's given you. But then here's the flip side of humility, and the one I think is easiest to forget. We all have needs, right? We all have things that we have to receive. It's obvious when we're like our Lord at the beginning. Babies in the womb, they got to keep receiving. We were blind for a while. We received love and nourishment from our mothers. Even if we're orphans, someone took care of us along the way, right? We received that as children. And truth be told, there's going to be a time we're going to be relying on others too. We are all headed towards the grave at one point. Sometime, you're going to have to ask for help. You got to humbly receive that when you're getting closer and closer to death. But what happens when we're in the middle, when we're not at the bookends? How do we be humble at that point in receiving charity from others? I don't know what it may be, but to humbly ask for help in a particular situation that, I don't know, there's a lot going on with the kids. I need help teaching them the faith that I need help getting them here and there. I might need help with some advice about my financial situation. I might need help from the deacon yesterday at a wedding. That's true. I actually had to ask him for help. It was great. Like to reach out and ask someone for help is so important because we all have blind spots. We all have things we need help with. And I'll tell you, if the best you can do right now in thinking, okay, where do I need to ask for help, Lord? Maybe the biggest thing is just saying to your wife, saying to your husband, Where's my blind spot? What do I need help in growing in? I'm kind of hoping that there's some conversations on the road home today referencing what Jesus is saying at the end. You know, honey, you are kind of lame. No, I'm just kidding. But, you know, like to, to look at all of this, to ask for help. What do all of these things involve? Humility. To recognize the fact that God has given us so much. Yes, but it's not just to get ahead in some brief way that will pass away but to use the gifts and the characteristics to the full, that we get to participate in the work of charity. But also, just like our Lord, we're called to participate in the reception of charity too. Both require humility. And don't be afraid later today, throughout the week, to ask our Lord, Lord, help me to see on both sides of this with humility. What is it that you're asking me to do? Especially that which I might be a little afraid to do. But if it's because of pride that I'm being held back, help me to be freed from that. To not be afraid to share the gift of the faith. To not be afraid to do the thing you're asking me to do with the gifts, circumstances, all of this that you've given me to act on it. But also, Lord, where am I in need? Where do I need to humbly receive the gifts that you want to give me through the people you placed in my life? Because ultimately, that charity is on offer all the time. As Mother Teresa so brilliantly said, Go home and love your family. And that involves giving the love and receiving it as well. Praise be Jesus Christ.